I don't flip flop. These days, I'm wearing sneaks. I may not be wealthy, but I'm rich in Bravo knowledge. Oh, you got, or, you know, we could just pretend to be rich and consider ourselves true Real Housewives. I mean, who even, no, sidebar, did you see that, like, the feds or whomever picked up a bunch of shit at Jen Shaw's house and uh, realized a bunch of it was counterfeit? Yes, I just saw, like, one quick post before we started that was, like, all of the listing of everything, so I didn't get to dive into everything on that. You would think that would be the one thing she wouldn't make into a fraud, especially if she's spending other people's money. Like, I would think everything she owned would be 100% real. It's almost too brand consistent at this point. Yeah, I mean, if you are stealing from people and you're not buying designer, what are you doing? Where is it going? (laughs) It can't all be going to charcuterie. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot of meat. It's a lot of meat and a lot of cheese. (laughs) But you guys, this is going to be a lot of talk. It's Andy's (laughs) Girls. It's episode, I think, 369 ish couldn't be sure but what I am sure about is how excited I am about a new new ish new asterisk ish (laughs) guest on the people's people's couch you know her as co-host of the podcast the real housewives of rewatch and creator of brands by bravo someone I had on The Andy's Girls Patreon recently for an hour plus episode that was so much fun. I said, you gotta come back to the world of AG and come on (laughs) AG Classic ASAP. So I'm so glad to have her. Welcome to Andy's Girls for the first time. Danielle, Danielle, how are you? I'm good. What an intro. My God, that was so special. If I'm ever not feeling good about myself, I'm just going (laughs) to listen to that. (laughs) You know, I aim to please. And I just have to say, this is so reform Jew of me. But I thought I had scheduled our episode over Hanukkah. It turns out. Oh, my out- God. We did talk about that. And it has not even started yet. You want to know what's better? I've already celebra- celebrated Hanukkah last weekend with my family. So you know what's so funny? My mom was in town yesterday. And I was like, we have to schedule Hanukkah. Which yeah, is like, I already no- did gifts with them. We lit a menorah. We had latkes. Danielle, are we one? Because you are, guys, so we talked about this on the AG Patreon, but Danielle and I are among the few Jewish Bravo creators, which is endlessly confusing to me because I just assume there's an abundance, but there isn't, I think that's because I live in New York City, but I <laughs> I mean, I, it's just, it's it's a lovely thing to talk to you about all things Bravo within that context, because as you know, like loving Bravo is its own fluency and adding on to that, the Jewish experience and perspective. So for us to both be like, yeah, we got We're going to schedule it. Like Not even actually still Hanukkah. It, as I'm looking also at my Christmas tree, because my husband is not Jewish and we set up our Christmas tree. <laughs> so I got to ask, so you are in an interfaith um, marriage. So are you yeah. raising the kids Jewish? Yes. Okay. He is, um, undefined, raised Catholic currently. Yeah. Undefined. Got it. Ooh, to be continued. Religion like, style. uh, no interest in religion. So, um, you know, the only time is like when we go to weddings, he's still like, 
the Catholic guilt is like deep within him and he'll go up and like, what is it? Take communion or something. I'm always like shocked by that, but yeah, no, um, not religious in any sense. And literally we have been together since I was 22. I'm 33, wow. 11 years. And like three months into dating, my dad was like, you have to talk about religion. And I was like, what? I'm really? 22 and unemployed and I live at home. Like, I'm not going to, why would I have to do that? But <laughs> dad was right. Important conversation. And um, it has never been a point of contention. So were, were both of your families supportive of each other joining together, together as one? Super. And like when we got married, it was only a rabbi, but we mm. said, do you want also yeah. a priest? And my husband said, I don't care. I'll ask my mom. And his mom said, whatever you want. Cause no one in the family is, we're much more culturally Jewish than yes. religious Jewish. And yes. he grew up Catholic, but no one in his immediate family is religious. I have never been to church with them. Like they don't. So it, you know, it makes it makes. And actually our parents are like really good friends and they hang out without us. And it's oh really my cute. God, that <laughs> feels like a miracle in and of yeah, itself. Yeah, we, we, our parents' houses are two miles away from each other. Whoa. Um, so it makes it easy. And then they just have bonded and they go out to dinner and do stuff without us, which we are very lucky and blessed that they are great. <laughs> That's incredible. And I also yeah. think like as the child, as the product of an interfaith um, marriage, my mom, Jewish, I mean, maiden name Schmalowitz, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and my dad was raised uh, Catholic. He's Italian. And and um, therein lies Galley. Um, but uh, never really was, I don't think, a conversation um, my mom definitely culturally religious, yada, yada, Jewish. And my dad was like an altar boy when he was a kid, but truly was not into organized religion. But I remember having conversations with my parents about the fact that when they came together, my dad's parents, essentially his his father and stepmother, but they were married for, I think, 60 years. And my mom's parents became very close. But at the beginning, my dad's parents, the Italian Catholics, were incredibly supportive of my dad marrying a Jewish woman. And my mom's parents were like less thrilled about it, I think, because they thought maybe they would you know, yeah, lose potentially her connection to Judaism or whatever. Who knows the reason? But that, of of course, absolutely didn't happen. And then the parents became my grandparents became very um, close and friendly with each other, which was. Great. Yeah, I feel like it's as long as for us, um, religion and holidays for both of us on both sides was just about family being together yeah. and never about the religious aspects. So it definitely has made it easier and mm -hmm. really um, I grew up in a super mixed I did not grow up in a Jewish community mm. and I think it was almost more shocking to my parents my openness because both of them grew up in super Jewish communities and I was like what did you expect I volunteered at a vacation bible school my best friends are not Jewish wow. like so for me it was like super I, it didn't cross I I didn't care mm. I always cared to I would have never like not I, I don't even know because it didn't really come up but it never was it was never an issue. So, mm -hmm. but I could see if I was with someone and they were like, oh no, they're going to be Catholic and they're going to get baptized. I'd be like, mm, this is not going to work. <laughs> like that would be a problem. I think. I think the Jewish identity is so 
interesting right now, the ways that we understand each other versus the ways that we are perceived. There's such a divide there. Also, obviously, within the Jewish construct, there's Orthodox, modern Orthodox, conservative and reform. I'm reform, which is like we are absolutely the JV of Jews. Like we're very chill. We like a party. Like that's where we're at. But (laughs) there are ways within and I'm sure within many organized religions, the, the ways that you see your identity as a part of that religion, oftentimes connected to the culture, the environment, the spirit, and maybe not necessarily the religious aspect. And yet, with the rise in global anti-Semitism, with what we've seen in the last several weeks, last couple months, which has been a huge uptick in violent hate speech and understanding and ignorance, um, an idea that all Jews are a monolith, that mm-hmm. it's not even necessarily connected to is this person a religious Jew or a cultural Jew? All that matters is that they are a Jew. There's an othering that's taken place that yeah. I think is, as an outsider without getting emotional about it, interesting because it's placing on that person the title, and that title is the characterization of everything that you are, your motivations, how you see the world, your hunger for power (laughs) and money and nothing else. And yet the very idea of Judaism is so um, alien to that. It is so much for for both of us, I think, so much more about a cultural experience and an identity that feels like sometimes it's been stolen by anti-Semitism into being this other thing that it is so truly not. And I had such, it's funny, bro. I had such a thing that happened this weekend that made me me realize like part of the reason I cling to the cultural side of the Judaism. So my two, most of my grandparents are immigrants. My grandma's an immigrant from England on my mom's side and then on my, and then Russia and Germany. So, but none of the, because they were immigrants, because they had to flee persecution, it was not a culture that they were brought up with in the home. So mm. we went this weekend to a Ukrainian Christmas village that was like in my neighborhood. They were having wow. like a whole festival. It was Amazing. really cool. Yeah. So we go and my great grandmother was from the Ukraine mm. and like they had just like the coolest like outfits and head thing. And I got like so sad. I was like, I have no connection to Russia, to Germany. I don't know Mm -hmm. if there's much culture in England, but like to those places. And then my sister and I were talking, we're like, I think that's why we cling to the Jewish culture so much because Mm -hmm. that's the only one we grew up with. It's not like I grew up eating borscht and pierogies. And we have those traditions because I feel probably from my grandparents that they were forced to flee. Like my grandpa left Germany when he was 18 before the start of World War II. He did not speak German in the household. He never talked about it. Like it was as if we are not German. So it's interesting that I only just had this realization of like, right, that's the only culture I know. I don't have like a country culture. And I think that's probably true for like many Jewish people because we are always the displaced ones. Yeah. Sense. I mean, it gets into the whole idea of the diaspora and the idea yeah. of Jews the best, without. Yeah. Tell me. No, I was going to say the best tweet I ever read was like, <laughs> The reason you have generational anxiety is because like 200 years, someone was like, shit's going down. We better get on a boat. And I was like, I was like, 
and we haven't gotten the fuck off every time we get off they're like maybe get back on their way my my anxiety comes from for sure they made twitter and we're like someone start building (laughs) gotta get out of here soon someone a hundred years ago in my genealogy was like time to flee not looking good (laughs) i mean i have to say i went uh tobes was in town my mom the tobes hashtag the tobes and we went to a play that i actually was not uh for the lack of a better term dying to go to initially but we my mom comes up to the city fairly often so we went this time and of course it uh i as a theater major haven't necessarily connected with tom stoppard plays he's the playwright and um uh but he wrote this new play that's like considered the Best play on Broadway of the year. So like I just I should go fuck play, myself. not musical. No total play. And I've um, seen so many musicals. I've never seen a play though. Oh man, well this is gonna fuck you up if you go. It's <laughs> called um, Leopoldstadt, and uh, it's actually essentially seemingly inspired by slash based on Tom Stoppard's experience as someone who had no idea of his Jewish heritage and discovered pretty late in life, one of the characters is is essentially based on him, discovered pretty late in life how many of his family members died in the Holocaust and uh, an understanding and realization that he was there at the beginning of that. So it takes place at various points in time. So like 1800s, early 1900s, Kristallnacht, the Night of Broken Glass, um, post-Holocaust, and it was... Uh, you know, just in, it was. I was sobbing. Everybody was fucking oh, crying. The most tepid applause you've heard in your life, which I've experienced before at other plays, where everyone is just so wounded at that point that we're like, okay, yeah, like, good, I'm cheering for the Holocaust. <laughs> I mean, like, great work, guys. But it was my mom left the theater and she was hysterical. She was hysterically crying in the street because she felt the anguish of the playwright sharing his guilt in many ways of not knowing or understanding the journey of his family and also the idea that his uh parent at one point um converted from Judaism because he thought that that would protect him protect his children from persecution and the reality was it didn't because two Nazis two people you know a drop of Jewish blood makes you an other it makes you bad and so to watch that so much of the spirit of the play was of a Jewish family denying the danger of the reality that they lived in and of saying this happened before it won't happen again we are safe we are doing things to protect ourselves and of course as we as the audience know it's 1938 this isn't going to end well for anyone in this room um, and it was incredibly powerful also because many of the actors in their bios in the playbill were like for my family, for daddy, for my people. God, was... I could not see this. I commend you oh, for sitting it's... through that. Well, the best part of it, too, was at the end, like my mom and I like stopped crying for a second. She's like, do you want to go look at the windows at Bergdorf? So we literally yes. went to see the yes, Christmas please. windows, which I was like, this feels this feels right. But um, I think the idea of that kind of alienation and connection confusion and understandable paranoia because it's based on history is an important perspective and I think it's important for Jewish creators to connect because obviously we speak the language of Bravo but there's a lot more there Jewish it is very 
is so Jewish. <laughs> Mazel? Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously, face of the network is Jewish. Andrew Cohen, spoiler alert, is also a Hebrew. <laughs> His rabbi is often the bartender and watch what happens live. I forget her name, but I need to go to Shabbat at that temple because she is fabulous. Well, Satya said Andy, too, infuses often cultural things. I'll never forget when he was uh, hosting the Jersey reunion and Teresa and Dolores were talking mm. and they were talking about how like you don't ask questions and like you don't do this. That's the Italian way. And Andy's like, that's not the Jewish way. Like we call it. <laughs> we're like, what's going on? Who's going to jail? Tell me everything. And I just like, I'll never, that's a moment always sticks out of my head is like an understanding that I knew what he meant in that moment. I did know what he meant, but also as a pizza bagel, as someone who is both Italian and Jewish, like, I always think like, you're so Italian, you're Jewish, you're so Jewish, you're Italian. There is a connection there oh, in like our similar. loudness, our family focus, but also what's going on, the needling parents, like... There is definitely, I, I wonder if that's why I've kind of connected to Jersey because I do see a kinship there. And Definitely. In Many of my friends are Italian and my maiden name sounded similar to the Italian word Paisano. And oh so my God. I used to, my, all my Italian guy friends would call me Paisano as like <laughs> my nickname in high school. <laughs> well, I have to ask, are there other reasons that you kind of think of the Bravo world as potentially connecting to the Jewish identity, the Jewish spirit, the Jewish divide? Ah, it's because all the housewives are yentas. They're all <laughs> chatty yentas. If you had to describe, like if my mother was to describe them, that's, you know, they might not all be Jewish, but many of them, you know, like Ramona, mm. it shocks me often. She's not Jewish. Like at times, she's obviously the opposite and has a lot of terrible views, but sometimes the way she is in her forwardness and unabashedness and the way she, what's going on and the getting involved and all of that feels very Jewish mother to me. Mm -hmm. Has there been a moment of connection that you felt in watching the experience of a Jewish housewife story or a family featuring a Jewish um, identity experience, anything? You know what I think is one of the more unique ones is um, Shaws of Sunset and learning oh about yes. the seeing the yes. interaction between the Jewish and the mm. Muslim and mm. Um, I always found that to be an extremely unique position. And one of the reasons I love the show so much because they were Persian Jews, which is not yes. something I know much about. So I really, that was like a big one on one of the reasons I love that show. And I thought it was so, in, uh, so important and helpful to see because everyone had a shared Persian identity and to have a better understanding of like Mike going to Shabbat or Reza struggling with his family. And um, I think that there were some aspects of Jewish identity stuff in there, too. Um, yeah, cool. Because wasn't Reza kind of both? Right. I want to say that there was an issue maybe with like his grandmother or something. Yes, like, this there is, was. We're talking years ago at this point. But um, to watch different people explore uh, their connection through their Persian identity and also see cultural and religious di differences, but also similarities mm -hmm. was fantastic. Fantastic to see. That's a great example. I love Shaz. Like, MJ's wedding is still my favorite oh my wedding God. of all time that's ever been on reality. Like I periodically, if I get sad, I just watch the clip of her walking down the aisle. 
It's the greatest thing that's ever been on TV. I'll never get over it. (laughs) Here's my thing, though, is that like sometimes when something happens, it's like I get such severe secondhand embarrassment, like (laughs) empathy for that person that I've never seen it since it happened. But now you're making me feel like literally directly after we record this, I need to rewatch. Didn't she? She was like talking to people while she went down the aisle, which was Uh honestly iconic. But didn't she trip or something? No, no. And then she gets up to the front and Tommy goes, your tits look great. And it's just (laughs) the best thing. And it's just so good. And Mike is doing a great job narrating. Like he's like, has she ever been to a wedding? Why is she stopping and talking to everyone? And the thing is, MJ at no point seems embarrassed by her behavior. So that's why I don't feel any embarrassment. Like she was like, yeah, that was perfect. You know, I have to say shout out to MJ, who is fabulous. She's a frequent guest. She's one of the chumps on Jeff Lewis's show, which is like the circle of his close friends and guest co-hosts. But um, she's also a really great Bravo holic, has stuff to say mm-hmm. about the franchises. I could totally I don't know that this will happen, but I could see her on Housewives franchise in a minute. She should be her and Lala, I feel like are the two biggest like on like Bravo Bravo holics. Oh, like Lala really? watches everything. Does I'm pretty she? sure. Yeah, I think she does. And I know MJ constantly comments and like has, you know, thoughts on on other franchises and whatnot. Well, that was always kind of like the driving force, almost marketing tool when Salt Lake began with Heather Gay. It was the positioning and understandably so of the fact that like, you guys, she's one of us. She loves Bravo. This is a dream come. This is our Disney fairy tale. (laughs) Is Heather Gay a Bravo-holic becoming a Bravo lab? Do you think that that's helpful for housewives for example yes i think it's super weird when they come in the show and they say they've never watched Mm. who would agree to something when you that's like "Mm, i have a first date um and it's someone kind of famous but i didn't google them no even we said we're gonna talk about even Meghan markle said she went on his instagram before the date with Harry, their first date, and checked him out. So it's just, I'm not saying you have to sit and watch 15 seasons, but at least the one prior to you joining. Like, how do you not want to know? I, I can't, I, so many of them claim they didn't watch, and I just really don't believe it. I think they lie. I mean, I was talking about this with um, a friend before we recorded, but like, we were talking about YouTube stuff, and I had had a um, gentleman person over... <laughs> To the apartment, a gentleman like, caller, a gentleman caller over to the apartment, <laughs> and we were sharing YouTube clips with each other. And actually, I sort of referenced him on a recent episode. But um, so he was like a wrestling person, which God forbid. So he was showing me these terrible clips, and I was like, "Wow, oh my god!" And then I would show him actual culture, which meant episodes of Real Housewives, and also when the choir sang at Meghan and Harry's wedding, which I've seen oh. no less than eight thousand times but when I went to like type in because it was my tv so when I went to like type in the thing on YouTube guess what pulled up what came up his name because I had searched for him because you had searched for and he was like (laughs) and I just it was like the absolute he was like why is my name up there and I was because I can't I literally can't lie so I was like uh I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's the app. Oh my god! You did that. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm like trying to guess. You like, Googled like, yourself. My phone. It somehow took your name. I didn't do that. They call them smart TVs, right? So this one's just a fucking genius. I mean. Oh, my God. Nightmaresville. Literal yeah. nightmaresville. But do you think, is there ever a world in which, let's say, a Kelly Ben Simone type exists now as opposed to then and is approached to do this and just thinks, I'm not to say that Kelly thinks this, but like, I'm so cool for school. I just, it's a TV thing and people love it. Like, is that, is that possible realistic at this point? No, even on, I don't think you're watching Winter House, but even the girl Jess that they put on Winter House didn't Mm -mm. seem to know anything about Bravo. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, why would you agree to do this and not, because she like literally was like, who are the Toms? Who invited you? I'm like, you don't know the Toms? Like you were agreeing to be on the show and you did, you did nothing like, and then not knowing what Lindsay looked like. If someone would have said, I look like Lindsay, I would have picked up my phone and immediately looked her up on Instagram, you know, like, I don't know. I I just can't buy it. Not in, not in the way that I feel like Bravo was like infused in everything. Like Michelle Obama this week talked about how she watches Bravo. Like it's too, it's too big. I get when Kelly joined, it wasn't there. Right now you got shows of 17, 16 seasons. I can't buy it. Do you think that that could potentially, and as you, I'm not watching Winter House. I've seen, I saw one episode of Winter House last season. I know that it's a great show. I know people are obsessed with it. I do not have capacity for, I'm, I'm literally at full capacity at this point. So I haven't had a chance to catch up on last season and then this one. So I don't know anything about, what's her name? Jess, Jessica? Mm -hmm. Jess? Jess, yeah. Okay. So I don't know anything about her aside from what I've seen from social media posts. Um, but is it possible that she really, truly didn't know? Or is it possible that she was guided to say that by production because we're supposed to pretend that some of these people are real and normal and that you wouldn't necessarily know who they are? Um, I think she, I don't know because they seem like pretty organic moments, but you never know. Mm. It was like when the Toms first came in. It actually was funny. Tom Schwartz looked at her and was like, thought, like hugged her. And they was like, oh, I thought you were Lindsay, which is like even better because they'd all been saying it. But she literally, like, two minutes after they got there, was like, oh, who invited you type thing. And we're like, who invited you? Like, don't disparage <laughs> the Toms in such Casting. a way. <laughs> Casting did. Yeah. Casting so got them up. I could see a little bit, but I don't think it makes them look good if they don't know the world they're stepping into. Mm. Like, in a way, the production would guide them to say, tell them you haven't been watching or you've not watched. But I, I don't know. I could I could definitely see that, though. In the world of housewives, there's always the idea or the necessity of having some sort of connection by way of introduction of like, this is my good friend. Yeah, we maybe went to drinks after a production introduced us and that person was cast so that we could say that we were friends. But like, this is my friend who I am introducing to my friend circle. Is it like that with Winter House too? Because there are people who weren't a part of summer house yeah previous winter house right? yeah there's rachel who was the florist at kyle and amanda's wedding okay and she was the florist like she did do that but she didn't really know kyle and amanda to be like okay. we're friends and we knew each other and then um jess was brought in by jason and he said they like met on instagram or something so a minimal connection there but again to me you're getting cast you're signing contracts if you don't think I'm gonna sit and watch the entirety of what I'm walking Mm. into I don't know I just couldn't I feel like it'd be more 
I guess I guess wanting to make your own judgment on people before meeting them, but I don't think I'm good enough to do that. I think I would have to know what I'm going into. At least a general idea of some, who's getting along, who likes each other, who doesn't. I don't know. I feel like that's important to know. That's also the fun of having shows that get reinvented, rebooted, however you want to call it, because we know so much of the history of some of these casts, their interactions with each other, their contested battles in the media and press, whatever else, that when a show gets rebooted or um, has some sort of overhaul, it is fun for us because when you get, I think, because when you get a new housewife, some people do research prior to that person joining and others are just like, I'm going to tune in and see what happens. How do you as a content creator, as a podcaster and as a Bravo viewer react to those moments? Like I don't like spoilers. I do not like spoilers. Okay. Okay. I I actually keep getting really annoyed that Bravo's like, here's five minutes of next week's episode. And I'm like, I don't want to see that. I want to wait to watch it till next week. So I skip those. I do not Google housewives when they announce new ones. Like I might follow Mm. them, but like, I don't do that. For me as a viewer, I like to get to know them on the show. I don't like to know who they are much beforehand. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. 
Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villarosa, obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. So with that being said, Miami, for example, had you watched Miami when it first came out or were you new to Miami entirely with the go around with the reboot? I don't remember if I watched it when it was on. However, maybe a year ago, I watched all three seasons and I could not believe that the show ever got canceled. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Really? I loved it. Joanna's bachelorette party in season three is one of the most chaotic things I've ever watched. I loved it. I loved early Miami. And I was like, what were we doing? How could we let the show get canceled? So yeah, it was great. Season one is meh, but two and three are wild. And especially it's so fun to look back now. There's like an argument about Facebook. They have this crazy trip in Bimini where it like rains the whole time. Um, Karen, like Latin lovers, like it just the whole. I just loved it. I thought it was so good. Like I was thoroughly entertained the entire time. But I just think I, I don't know why it didn't connect with the viewers then. But now, currently, I would put it as the number one franchise, which is probably would crazy. You? Tell me more about that. It's the most authentic to the way in that I love Housewives, where I believe in the relationships of the women. That doesn't mm. feel set up. They've now been friends for 10 years and you know they've been friends on and off camera Mm -hmm. the drama is not fake it's not too heavy like it's heavy but it's not like a lawsuit I'm going to jail for (laughs) 30 years heavy yeah and I I would put it on par with Potomac where it's like they fight but they understand that they need to be friends also like the way Karen and Giselle understand there has to always come back to each other and they can't let it get to like Melissa Teresa level, you know, of like, I won't even be in the same rooms. You like, I feel that they understand 
the arguments i also feel like the richness is there the opulence is there mm. it's bright it's colorful they're wacky there's a lot of them which i really like too like mm. there's so many it's not just a few of them there's so many storylines and people and friends of i just love it i was so entertained by the first four episodes that came out i have to say like the there is a similarity there's several similarities with potomac one of them, I'm going to say this out loud, acknowledging that it's not entirely consistent with what's happening right now with like Candace's feelings toward Giselle, understandable as they are. But there feels like it feels like there's such a mutual respect a la Giselle and Karen. They can screw with each other. They can make light. They can do some dragging, even when they express themselves as angry, uh, even when they express themselves as like being in a genuine fight argument with each other, it feels like there's still genuine respect and history and affection. And I feel that honestly with the entirety of the Miami cast, it Mm -hmm. feels like there is a respect and an affection. It feels like when Lisa is losing her shit with Larsa, sometimes this, I don't know if this is going to make sense. Sometimes you can express (laughs) I mean, welcome to Andy's Girls. I just really, everyone needs to know she just like sat up to get like <laughs> real know, like, just, I, I'm going to hit you with my theory. Uh, you know, guys, I'm I'm all dressed up uh, in my robe, but like I'm, I, I there's like a, a vibe that I kind of am realizing as I attempt to express this out loud. But, um, you know, there are times when you're upset at someone and you unload on them because you're upset and they need to know that you're upset about something that you, you know, that that person did that upset you. And it's just like the flood. And then there is sometimes a layer to that of if I fall, I know that you're going to catch me before I hit the ground. And I feel like there's a little bit of an aspect there with Lisa and Larsa where she can be really upset. I feel like you're coming for me. You're talking about mortgage stuff that maybe I don't understand. Like you're talking about finance stuff. I know you're trying to fuck with me. I really don't appreciate it. And I can't let go of this and I'm going to express upset. And maybe there's an aspect there of like, because I feel safe doing it, even if I'm upset at you because of something that you said about me or my husband that made me mad. Do you, am I crazy for thinking? No, that? no, but that's the biggest thing with the women on the shows that can do that. You can only do that when you have a foundation of actual friendships. Yes. When you're missing that, which is so often on these shows because they're forced together, which in going back and rewatching New York is like, you reminded that these people were not friends or even like Beverly Hills. Mm. This happens a lot. Like with like a whole thing with like Garcelle, like I love Garcelle. And when she would be like, oh, when Kyle says something to Erica, Erica goes over it, but Eric doesn't get over it with me. And I'm like, that's because Erica and Kyle have been friends for six years and you don't have that foundation with her. And that's mm-hmm. part of the reason. It's not just like a this group versus that group. It's I don't know you as a person, so I don't know your intentions versus actual when, when you're friends with people for a long period of time, it's like, you know who they are as a person. And that's what I think Miami. I think that's what Potomac has. Um, you know, that that some of the others are are missing for sure. It's friendship as a trust exercise. Yeah, which is also the chaos of Salt Lake City right now that is just confusing. As Andy said on Watch What Happens Live, the friendships on this series confuse me. And I agree. <laughs> you know, I rewatched Salt Lake City before we recorded. And I was like, huh. 
because the first time I watched it, I was given it my typical 40% because I or really, you know, like 32 because I know I'm going to rewatch it. So like the first time is just for me, which means mm-hmm. I don't really pay attention. Um, but I found myself watching the Jen Heather dynamics. Maybe that's sort of more understandable, but like the Heather Whitney of it all is honestly very confusing. I think I finally understood it last night. I think Tell I finally, under- okay. What Whitney, the two things Whitney is most upset about, because she doesn't do a good job articulating herself, but I think she gets very flustered with people watching her. And she's, she was actually sober, at least in this moment, I felt like to be mm. arguing when they were arguing at the dinner table. The two things I think she's upset about, A, I think she's upset that Heather pushed her twice. Which I agree with. Physically, like literally physically, physically pushed touched her. her. Yeah, yes. which they all, the, Salt Lake City, these women on Salt Lake get in each other's personal spaces in a way that makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah, because she said that. She said, you know, I'm dealing with all this trauma and right. blah, blah, blah. And then you literally put your hands Touched on me and me never apologize for that. Right. It bo- violated my boundaries. Yeah. Right. So I think that was a big one. And I think the other thing she's most upset about, whatever it was with the rumor, whether Heather heard it or not, I think she's upset that it seems that Heather can forgive Jen and move forward with Jen fine and apologize to Jen. But with Whitney, because of this disagreement about the rumor, it's all of a sudden like, I don't trust you. Fuck you. You lost me. I'm Heather Gay. I'm not your friend anymore. And Whitney's like, wait, what? I trusted you the most. I thought we could have this little spiff and then get over it. And that doesn't seem to be the case. So I think that's what she, that's what she was like trying to articulate is like, why are you ride or die for Jen, but you and I have our first real fight ever, and you're just like, I'm done with you, I think, is what I deciphered. Uh, what's your answer to that? What do, what do you think the reason is? I don't – I am having the hardest time this season because I love Heather Gay. Like, I love do her. Do you? I, and I cannot get behind her this season. I don't know what is going on, but I've disagreed with, like, everything she's been doing, and it's really hard because I really like her as a person. But she is so ride or die with Jen. Mm. And then she is all of the things Whitney's calling her out for, deflecting, bringing other people into it. She keeps doing that. Whitney tried to talk to her one-on-one and she literally slammed the door in her face. Then when she's arguing with Jen, she tried to pull Whitney in. Then the next argument with Whitney, she's trying to pull Lisa in. And Lisa's like, what the hell do I have to do with this? Like, why are you mad that me and Whitney are getting along now? You're the one mad about it. So... I don't know. I'm I'm definitely, I think, team. And it, from the Watch What Happens Live episode, it seems like most people are team Whitney in this, which is surprising because we we love, I love Heather, but she's, a, she. I don't think she's correct in this. I mean, I felt like at the beginning, closer to the beginning of the season, when I would talk about my defense of Whitney, I was kind of whispering it. It was like a little bit of a stage whisper because I didn't really, it felt like a lot of the energy was pro- Heather and I do think maybe that has shifted a little bit do you think that's because Whitney is expressing herself differently in the last couple episodes what do you think is behind a sea change if it's taken place I think she's doing a better job of expressing herself Mm. I think Heather now three times has like deflected literally like she wouldn't she kept being like Whitney talk talk and then she kept talking over her and I wanted Whitney to just yell shut the fuck up but she didn't do that (laughs) but like I really I was like you keep uh, you're not letting her speak and then she does keep pulling people and so it's like to see the pattern a few times and I think it's her defense of Jen that's dragging her down she even like made a joke 
about like Jen throwing the shoes into the water, not a big deal. And I was like, what? Like, are you watching the same thing as me? Or, I mean, Jen on these last two episodes is unbearable to watch, in my opinion. Her not even remembering, like, tossing Lisa to the side. She was like, I didn't do that. And I'm like, roll the tape. Like, what? Like, it just, you know. So I think it's her siding and continually standing up for Jen, which I, I don't know. I've never had a friend get indicted for such crimes would I immediately drop them I don't know what I would do but I don't she's a little too ride or die for her I think though if a friend of mine was indicted in federal court for a decade plus long grift at which they were at the very top of the criminal pyramid (laughs) I might spend a little bit less time talking about how much fun we have this is like the thing that we run into it a little bit we've run into it a little bit and I'm like truly not even being sarcastic when I say that in Beverly Hills in the sense of like the idea in very very different circumstances Erica hasn't been charged with a crime all that all that being said which we all I think understand the idea that the person that you fell in love with how much of that environment of the um you know throwing money slash caution to the wind which maybe lent itself an air of humor or something else, the foundation of that friendship being what it was, like understanding that there was a cost to that, to this person's lifestyle, to their entry onto this show in your friend circle, we're vulnerable people. When are we going to have the conversation of, did you benefit from crimes? And with Jen, from someone else's crimes, with Jen, it's like, this is the actual criminal. So when we talk about how fun she is, I know at this point she's, you know, said that this is a federal conspiracy and everything else. But like, why are we so focused on how fun she is when we also need to acknowledge the fact that many times she's actually incredibly unfun? Yeah, she's horrible often. And it's hard. Like, look, I think it's like Heather has a big heart. And I think. She sees her friend going through this horrible time. She doesn't want to just, like, cut her loose. But it's also, like, she hasn't been a good friend to you numerous times. So it's not like this is, like, your true and true best friend. And she's just... Then the lunch with her and Lisa, Lisa. and Heather. And, like, I don't know. What what was your take on that? Well, um... Not necessarily the meat and potatoes of it, but I was appreciative to see that Heather was acknowledging the fact that Jen can oftentimes be toxic, that the toxicity is sort of swirling in her as she continues to display it when told that she's being toxic. Like the way that Jen one-ups someone's example as a way of trying to gaslight them is unfortunate. But I did appreciate that for that little window of time, Heather didn't look at Lisa with the kind of like disdain or disgust that she has so consistently the last seasons plus, which I actually liked. Part of me wonders, I feel like that for so long it felt like Whitney and Heather against Lisa 
And I wonder if Heather's jealous that Whitney has gotten to a good place with Lisa, but she really hasn't. Oh, that's such an interesting You know, point. like it was always like you and me against Lisa. And then now it's like, oh, Lisa forgave you. But like, I still don't feel like I got what I needed or whatever to move on. You know what? That's such an interesting perspective. And it does make me think of the ways that Meredith and Heather have talked about Lisa and Whitney's friendship in the press as being one of convenience. They're just friends with each other because essentially they have nobody else left. So that's the only reason there's no care or trust. This is all a mirage. And I watch them or read about them saying these things. And I think to myself, you guys are like such you're embedded with Jen that what does it even mean that you're trying to say that their friendship is fake? Shouldn't we be talking more about the very flawed friendship you guys are trying to portray as real? Yeah, no, I agree. It's the, what do they say? The pot calling the... the kettle black? Yeah, which I've never understood. What is that saying? Never mean? understood it. Okay, I good. I'm know. glad it's not just me. I don't own a kettle. Oh, I do own a kettle. But I have it was a kettle, but roommates. it's not black. I, it's red. I don't know. It's it's like burned to a crisp at this point. I couldn't tell you. But Mine um, is a white and black polka dot Kate Spade one that I registered for a wedding. And I was like, oh. from Bed Bath Beyond. And I was thrilled someone bought it for me. And I'll have it forever. Oh, my God. <laughs> I actually have um some plates after I had my little medical situation. A friend dropped by with a little, I'm um, so glad you're still a live gift which was the same white with black um Kate Spade print yeah the little plates it was the only thing I registered that was like from Kate Spade but I thought it was like the cutest little teapot oh but anyway God. it feels like yeah like you're gonna call like what since when are Heather and Meredith chummy chummy BFFs I don't know it's it's a mess it's a disaster I don't know what I think of the show currently I don't know where it's gonna go there it's it's a, a bit too much fighting also it's a bit too much fighting like they're never not like I don't like when they go on vacation and every dinner is a fight, which is also what just happened in Potomac. I was like, we got to get through one dinner without people screaming at each other. Like, but Potomac, it's like, at least I understand where these people are coming from. Yes, versus, I know what they're fighting about. <laughs> like the the importance for me this week was at least Heather's acknowledgement, which feels so late in the game. But, you know got to appreciate when when it's here that Jen is toxic which is to me like the understatement of this century and yet even the ways that she tries to like apologize for being hurt by Jen's behavior is so cringe when she when at the flip side of the coin is like the refusal to understand she may be a part of Whitney's hurt and maybe that's yeah. unfair but i just it is this like odd the the episodes going on are not going to be kind to Heather and possibly Meredith, I think, for that reason. I think so, too. Even I'm just remembering from the dinner when Whitney's like, oh, what would you guys talk about at lunch? Like, how did lunch go? And Jen is like, I don't want to talk about it. And then Whitney's just like, OK, I was just asking. And she's like, actually, we talked about my suicide attempt. And Whitney's like, I wasn't prying. I'm like, we're filming a TV show. We're supposed to talk about it. like." That sort of overreaction to her as well just shows like she just she knew what she was doing in that moment, Jen. She's just she's so uh, she's unbearable to watch. It's it's really getting to that place. Well, she's talking about an incredibly serious um, situation and crisis. And to watch that episode on the heels of the very shocking and to many devastating 
um, uh, news and trigger warning that this will be a, a, a slight pivot into this conversation about um, suicide that Twitch, who was beloved by everyone, um, had died of suicide. And to find out that news that day and then have this episode air where it felt like there was obviously a lot of pain being expressed. And I'm not going to question Jen's story. I think that would be, um, to me, slightly inappropriate, honestly, to like people listening to this episode and anyone who's experienced any kind of suicidal ideation or any other kind of circumstance or had a loved one. But just to say to like potentially use that moment to make someone feel bad for asking a question as if she was looking to manipulate, as if Whitney was looking to manipulate that situation or circumstance, she obviously had no idea, was um, very cringe to watch. Yeah, and I, I agree. I'm not questioning that I think the only thing that I have some slight question on is connecting it to the Shaw exposed because the Shaw exposed <sighs> besides using her name did not do or say anything about Jen. So Jen being the lunatic, the person she is. <laughs> yeah. Catching my words, the person she is, it feels yeah. weaponizing to now relate it back to the Angie Harrington situation and claim that was the thing that made this happen. It feels, I don't want to say the word convenient, but it fits her narrative that she's trying to say to Heather of why Heather can't be friends with her. Well, she's trying to say to Heather that Heather is damaging her and damaging her heart, her soul, and coming for her family because she's remaining friends with Angie Harrington. I I would say just right off the cuff that Chris, his name is Chris Harrington, right? Mm-hmm. Is it Chris? Seems like a piece of shit. Um, so that's not exactly breaking news. But it does appear, first off, that account had like literally a couple hundred followers. It looks like he literally only named it Shaw Exposed so that it might get people's attention. But the purpose of it was to drag Lisa. So to say that this account was going after your family when essentially it was a failed marketing attempt, you're not wrong that he was relying on your name in the news cycle, but he's quite literally not exposing you. Unfortunately, you're doing a better job of that on this show than anyone else ever could. Yes, that's more what it is, where that's where I felt like it fits the narrative to make Heather feel like shit for being friends with Angie, because this is the her friend's husband's Instagram account that made her have these thoughts and actions. Well, it also gets into this idea, again, of flip flopping, of Jen believing that loyalty in friendship is the only idea of what friendship should mean. It's not about accountability. It's not about support when support is anything else but silence and a head nod. And that's what's so difficult to watch play out because Jen has an expectation she will never be questioned. And yet all she does is question other people's motivations, which is to me a form of manipulation and distraction, not specific to what she was saying to her experience that she was sharing with Whitney, but just generally to her character. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, 
I don't know where Salt Lake will go from here at all. They're filming the reunion this week. And yeah. it will be very interesting to see if Jen is there or not. Obviously, we know she wasn't at BravoCon. She wanted to be. Yeah. Also, what's interesting will be when Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip 3 comes out. Because her, uh, were you at the Salt Lake City panel? I was. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I bore witness. I just talked about this on Christian Gray Snow's podcast. I was like, either you were there or you were not. But it was one of the greatest experiences. The high that I felt, like, I I couldn't believe what I was watching with my own eyes. It was absolutely insane. But what I was saying is I know on Ultimate Girls Trip, Whitney said that her and Heather made up. So now I'm like, how are we still Mm. fighting? She said something about we had a moment in the pool and we we I thought we were fine. And then we came here and we're not fine. And then I'm sure the re-airing of all of this is now helps, also right. It helps with the fracture. Yeah. So they're definitely not in a good place still. I want them to come back together. I love bad weather. What do you think is more likely to happen? Bad weather coming back together or Lisa Meredith figuring bad out weather. a way to... Yeah, I think bad okay. weather because if Lisa and Meredith still haven't made up at this point and it was only over yeah. one thing, uh, a no. big thing yeah. like Meredith like will not let it go ever. And even if she said she will, I don't I don't think she will. At this point, though, how does bad weather get back together? Like could if if Heather said, I apologize for this circumstance and situation, at what point does a circumstance or situation become an entire characterization character flaw like is this environmental or something else something I think under the, the force very of foundation? Jen I think removing Jen completely could make them get back together which wow. probably will happen when she gets sentenced to jail <laughs> well I wonder about the bringing them back together I don't think you're wrong in that but I do wonder like how much of Jen has been a little bit of a distraction for people in aligning with Jen, where Jen's poor behavior, as we've seen for years on camera, is so bad that everyone else will look good by comparison. And like, listen, if I'm Heather and I am supportive or however you want to look at that relationship, if we want to look at it through like, I'm going to be a good friend and support you at the end of the day, no matter what, what happens when the no matter what is no longer a viable option like you could sort of hide behind that at a certain point you you will look always so much better but also you don't have to necessarily reveal or share your you know potentially not so great flaws. I don't know I don't know and then like is there anyone they could even like bring into the show I mean obviously you can always cast people but could what would the show it has been so early on, so focused on all the Jen stuff. Yeah. That I don't know. You know, it's almost, it's it's in a sense how we've spent so many seasons of Beverly Hills on Erica. Mm-hmm. That what will the show be like when we don't have Erica to talk about? I'll still watch it, whatever it is. <laughs> but I don't know. It's been, it's been so Jen heavy that for two seasons now. Do you think that either Angie or Dana um, should potentially get a promotion to full time? Which Angie? Either Angie or Dana. Angie K.H. or Dana. Not Harrington. And that's based alone on what her husband did. That's so it was like one of the grossest things that I can't believe a grown adult did like and got caught and 
just obviously there are grown adults who are trolls all the time. You and I, 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 well, I don't really get too many trolls. I know you deal with a lot more. I know. I stay pretty drama free. I I don't don't really get any, but um, I mean, um, it was just so gross that I don't think you deserve a spotlight from that. And I don't know if Angie Harrington is interesting enough. Yeah, she's really cloying in a way that, like, I feel like we have enough of that on Salt Lake. I don't know that that is really a personality. Yeah. And also, the one thing about Chris that I do like is that it's a reminder that, like, people with rich, I'm not going to say wealth, but, like, people with rich can be so trashy. Like, I just think that's, like, money can't buy so, you class, baby. Money <laughs> can't buy you class. Elegance is learned and they have not done elocution or anything else in the Harrington home because they both appear so fucking desperate that again. Yeah, the thirst. It, it's it's the thirst is dripping. They are salivating at the mouth to get on the show. And you can tell, and I don't I don't like that. Angie K, I like, but her whole storyline is about Jen. So if there's no Jen, then what do we have? And it's Dana is the other one, which tells you how little of an impact she has. Yeah, she's going to have that one line that everyone's like standing over. But... So that's about I don't think they've made an impact yet. Maybe bring back Mary. Mary. Just kidding. She'll never come back. And <laughs> she's also, never going to come back. She, she, she shouldn't come There's back. There's a lot. There's my a God, lot was there. she interesting to watch on TV? Absolutely. But I do think with like the Angie K, she's giving me a little bit of. Did you watch Dallas? Yes. She's giving me a little bit of Marie energy. Do you remember Marie and Leanne had this weird Marie who had like a a ton of money and she wasn't interesting, but she was there because of uh, her foe being the centerpiece of chaos and drama on her franchise. I get a little Angie K here. Maybe that's it's not a direct uh, comparison, but I'm getting some Marie energy and Angie K of like this per. If you feel like she's rising to the occasion, it's because of Jen being on the show. I don't know how that would go with Jen's presumed absence next. Yeah, season. I also like what Jeff Lewis said on Watch What Happens Live, and he said she paid her due. She paid her 15k yes. to get on the show, <laughs> which I don't think Andy liked, but I fucking. Loved. I agree. Everyone agreed with it. We're like, yeah, we know why you threw that yep. party. We knew. We knew and why it was so over the top. So. Yeah, and she got a fifteen hundred dollar surcharge. That Watch What Happens Live episode was one for the history books. That's for sure. Did you love it? I loved it. I loved every second of it. It's I used to love Bethany, and Mm -hmm. I love old Bethany, but I do not like anything new Bethany says or does, like at all. How did that come across for you um, on the Watch What Happens, the now iconic Watch What Happens Live episode with Jeff, and in what followed? She, what really killed me is when she said her tagline and I just really just, she was like, oh, if you come for this B, I was like, you did not just reference yourself that way. I think her podcast is stupid. I think I agree with everything <laughs> Andy said um, of like you trashed housewives and yeah. everything. And why are you doing this? I think the guests she's had are dumb. Like she had Jerry springer on was like i don't even watch reality tv and i'm just like why would anyone listen i have no interest in listening to someone who doesn't even watch housewives and their random opinion so i've only listened to one ep- i'm trying to say this out loud and make sure that it's factually correct yeah i've only listened to one episode of of or two episodes one was her watch what happens response but i do find it interesting that 
as a whole, she's having on names, experts in various fields, but the majority of them don't actually watch Housewives. So when they're maybe talking about an episode, they literally only have that episode to go on. And in some cases, don't even know the names of these people. Yeah, no, I... I see no interest in it. I thought Jeff was hilarious. I was glad Andy like aired their dirty laundry out. I thought her excuse about Kyle was ridiculous of why she doesn't follow her. Um, Mm. She also recently, a clip from her money court aired and she talked about how she doesn't believe in people working remotely. And I was like, girl, we literally watched you run skinny girl from your own home. What are you talking about? Like, we watched her have the home office on her spinoff on Housewives, and you don't want people to work from home, like just. And then she's obsessed with like Meghan Markle and Harry. Yeah, that's a which weird. I also don't understand is weird. It's just I don't I don't agree with like any of her current takes in life. Is <laughs> how I feel. I feel very out of touch. Yeah, I wonder what her success has taught her. Hmm. Because we're seeing her display some of the lessons to us as she's teaching us. And I'm like, huh. Yeah. That's what you got from this. I don't entirely see the, you know, like a huge success story does not a professor make. And yet it feels like we're in this class, but everybody's failing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, she was amazing on New York Housewives. I would never like. No take one will that take that away, away from, from her. Well, no, that's the that's the disclaimer. Anybody who ever says anything critical critical about Bethany, because the way some people hear it is, oh, well, then Skinny Girl didn't happen, and you're trying to remove. No one's trying to remove history. She was know. the reason the show was successful. As someone who's right. rewatching New York right now and just finished season Amen. two, the show would be nothing without her. She Agreed. was the comedy. She was the voice. It was necessary, and mm-hmm. she was amazing basically in every single season that she was on. Agreed. And I loved her, and I loved her spinoff. I watched, I have, you know what the one product I still buy? Skinny Girl Popcorn, because that stuff is so good. It's the best microwave popcorn. I, I hate to endorse it, but it's really good. <laughs> I don't eat dairy anymore, and I didn't die for the lime flavor, but for a very significant period of time, I lived my life according to the Skinny Girl. Like, it was like a sea salt and butter flavor. Yeah, it's just the sea salt and butter. That's the one I buy. And it's, I yeah. have tried other brands. The Skinner Girl one is the best. So it's not that she's not an amazing businesswoman. She has done a lot of things. I just feel her most, I don't know what's happening in the last year or two. It, it's, I just can't get behind a lot of her takes and opinions on things. Well, you know, not all of her businesses have been hits. She had Skinny Girl Deli Meats. She did a line of bath products for chubby kids to feel bad called literally Skinny Girl Kids, which was Oh, she was doing clothes for a while. I wonder if those are still around. I remember she was like doing ads on that for a while. I don't know if she's still doing like the jeans and stuff, but I do have some off-brand, a la cheater brand, Skinny Girl Spanx that I saw at TJ Maxx a couple years ago for $7 for three. And I was like, this is worth the Instagram story of me taking a photo of this. Yeah. <laughs> I might as yeah. well buy it too. Um, yeah, it, it it is kind of a reminder though that like you're not going to hit it every time. And it just so happens that when it comes to the business of communicating who she is, I guess, a little bit. She's really not, you know, listenership aside, it's not really 
hitting in the way that she's got a lot of fans though still like if you comment something they come out and they are like she is a saint and you can't say anything about her and i'm just like okay never mind i also like don't fight with people so (laughs) is there a housewife that you feel that way toward where you're like no matter what they do and, and maybe you will hear the critique and maybe you won't. You just have so much affection for them. Not necessarily your favorite or your spiritual housewife, but just one where you're like, you can kind of maybe explain some of it away. Mm, I would say the housewife, and I shouldn't it's okay, have this. Space. Well, no, it's not that I shouldn't say, but I know I shouldn't have this. I will forever have empathy for Teresa. I knew you were going to say Teresa. I knew I it. Can't, listen, when you watch a woman for 15 years, you watch mm-hmm. her lose both her parents, you watch her go to jail. Mm-hmm. It is hard to not have empathy. Now do I explain away? I am not a Teresa. I am not a tree hugger. Mm-hmm. I do not explain away her behavior. She's mm-hmm. done some really terrible things, but I will forever have empathy mm-hmm. towards life situations that she has gone through. You know, you're not a tree hugger. You're pro environment. Yes, yes, pro environment, and obviously these things she's gone through helps make her see the world a certain way. I also do mm-hmm. feel in the last year, she has, mm, she has. I was always a lot more like I. This was not always also the way I felt. I was much more on the Gorga side, and I have recently flipped to be on the Teresa side. Have you? In what way? What was the turning point? Rafalcon was a huge turning point. No, tell me. Teresa, I went to Teresa's panel. Yep. I watched her on the Watch What Happens Live. Continually, she did not say a single bad thing about them. She did not. And the two of them, specifically her brother, more than Melissa, I will never get over the fact when he asked what will last longer, Teresa's oh, marriage God. or the stand-up career, and the way that he stood up and gloated and said, my comedy career, that is not a man who wants to make up with his sister and who ha- cares about her feelings. And the things he was saying was just super gross. And again, it was more him than Melissa, so I'm not going to put the blame on her, which even Teresa has admitted to saying it was not Melissa, it was my brother. But really, those recent actions really made me recently I've seen nothing she has not come out and said bad things about them where they keep saying bad things about her I wonder though I totally hear you I don't disagree but I wonder how much of that is connected to whatever happens during the fun the finale and the lead up to it on the season because it feels like Teresa was one of those people who didn't necessarily say anything in the press but she would do stuff during production to fuck Definitely. with them versus them not necessarily doing that but doing this stuff in the press you know yeah. they had different ways of like seeking vengeance or something I agree yeah Jersey is left to be and we will see what happens and trust me she has done a lot of bad things but then again at BravoCon she finally fully or at least for the first time for me that I saw said that one of the biggest regrets she has is stating the rumor about Jackie and that did was it. She... she did. Yeah. And, Wait, and she, I was there, was there no... for that panel. Yeah. At the panel? Yeah, it was, it was at the Jersey panel. I remember oh it God. because she tried to then kind of say like, but, but then she kind of stopped it and was like, no, that's the thing that I, wow. I shouldn't have done that. And I was like, oh my God, do we have introspection? Like, I'm, you know, and there's a, there's a few others too, who I can remove who they are from the show, but still like them as like famous people, I would mm-hmm. say. Like, Kyle is one. I know a lot of people hate Kyle, but I will forever love her. 
she's in my top five. She's been on pause at moments, but she's she remains in my top five. No apologies, not apology to her. Yeah, I don't really apologize for my love of her, but I'll still there's none that I will defend in the way that some people will yes. like regardless of the terrible like when Kyle is terrible, I will call it out. A hundred percent. Drag her drag her for days. Drag yeah. her for days. And Robin is another one. Like Robin was really pissing me off this season, mm. but I absolutely love Robin. But now she has it was like the rabbit apology tour at this Sunday's episode. I feel like she was apologizing. And I was like, good, that's my girl, Robin. You're always the level-headed one. You came back. Like, You know what? I haven't asked someone this in such a long time. And you might be answering this as we speak. But like, do you have a, house, do you have a housewife's top five? And you can define a top in any way that you would like. Okay. Why don't I just pick from people who are on current seasons? You, you do. Because it's too hard to do. Yeah, it's hard. It's a lot. 140 oh, so or whatever. current yep. favorites, and I don't know if this is in any particular order because I'm just doesn't have to be my head. probably best if it's not. We'll say Kyle. Got it. Candy. Two. Um. Who? Who was it? Just oh, Robin. Robin and Karen. Three. Karen four. Like you know what? I'm gonna put her on there because I just love her as Tamara. Wow. Oh, but see, I also nice... see I always leave off Miami and like I shouldn't because like I love Alexia is love. like, mm-hmm. you know, a level on her own. Mm-hmm. And is there anyone else from Miami? Probably Alexia is my favorite from Miami because she's just like a telenovela. Her life is just insane. I have to say I watched the fifth episode today and there is a moment at the end when this isn't a sp- Spoiler. It's okay. I'm really, going to watch it after we get off it's this. It's like, <laughs> spoiler alert, um, things aren't going great with the Hoxteens. And there is a moment in which Lisa opens up to something that seemingly happened shortly before the cast went on a vacation or has been bubbling under the surface and now there's no way to hide it. And the way that all of these women, immediately the shock and disgust on their faces, the way that Alexia is like just immediately dragging Lenny the way that they support her and call out his completely inappropriate and absolutely disrespectful behavior is to me it just shows the power of this cast the way that Mm -hmm. they support her and so truly see him and some of them I might have been Alexia one of them is like called it like I always knew like (laughs) there's just a way that like there is this moment of recognition and maybe these women have always seen them, but it's the first time that Lisa's admitting that she does too. Yeah. That is incredibly powerful and sad, but powerful. When you think of what makes your favorite housewife, what are like, like I know what I look for and what makes me, but what do you look for? That's a great question. And just right off the bat without thinking about it, I'm going to do like humor, um, uh, intelligence, vulnerability, blind spots. Um, oh God, I don't know. Absurdism, maybe even a little bit. Yeah. To me, it's like the read, like I look at Tamara and the read, like so many people hate her, but hopefully now they like her. I don't know. For so long, there was so much Tamara hate. And I was like, I never understand. Love her, hate her respect what she's done yes it's about it's a game of respect to me it's like when you look at her this woman has put every aspect good and bad of her life out there and everyone else's by the way and everyone else's like she gets involved in the drama she will fight she will not fight sometimes she's level-headed and can bring like vicky back down to earth sometimes she's 
uh, off in space. You got <laughs> to see her married, divorced, fall in love, remarried, problems with her children. Like when I can see them as a complete person, you know, that to me is is the thing I look for that is like, this is why you're a great housewife. And that's why Kyle is forever in that because we have mm. seen so much of her and she's not always perfect and she is messy, but I just, I don't know. I just love her. I also like her. They have to have a sense of humor about themselves. And I think all 100%. of these women have a sense of humor about themselves. Kyle constantly yes. makes fun of herself online. I think Robin does. I, I think they all do. Like there was just a great video today um, that, uh, Donald, put, yeah, 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 that he posted of like a superstar is here, and then it was the speaker, and it's like that's the sort of thing. Like, if you can't laugh at yourself at the end of the day and you take it too seriously, it's I don't like that. Like that's um, I feel like that's a Dorit. Like Dorit to me takes it too seriously, and Rinna too is she takes it so seriously. I got yes, laugh. and she pretends that she doesn't, which is what's so fucking annoying. Yes. But, um, <laughs> There's in like the game of housewives so often to me, part of the delight is the seesaw of uh, personal growth and like blind spot or personal growth and something else blocking that from happening and how it goes back and forth. Because I honestly think that's, you know, uh, one step forward, two steps back or two steps forward, one step back. Isn't that life for so many people? So the way that fame and adoration, maybe even fan respect or alliances, the way that that plays out where sometimes it feels like you're getting toward a conclusion that seems to be beneficial and then it's all taken away or you make a left turn. That's mm -hmm. what I always find so interesting about this. Like you never, you can never really truly guess a person's behavior or instinct until entirety obviously because sometimes they haven't thought about it themselves and that's where the sweetness can be found what danny pellegrino says i'll love you one day i'll hate you the next and that's the joy of watching housewives yes I like i like, don't yes. understand choosing to continually hate someone when they do something good like i you know who's a perfect example is that's like candace mm. it, a lot of people really despise candace but like you gotta appreciate the growth she has made this season has been really important and also she's funny as hell she she's is so, so funny. funny you she's so, so funny. but like you know and like sometimes i love her and sometimes i hate her but that's the joy of watching her yeah i think that you know it's like a little bit of less a, maybe a little bit of a lesson for all of us like the ways that sometimes we treat each other where it's just it's you know you do this one thing i hate you forever and it's like well life if you're living life that way what an unfortunate way to live you know like you're not giving yourself a chance yeah it's a very internet way it is a very it's internet. a very internet way to live like what was i oh mauricio was on watch what happens live and mm. people were still just like you know he apologized for the whole jacks and the laughing thing and the comments on the video and i'm just like there's so many worse things in the world like this is what we're still like you have watched this man for 15 years <laughs> housewives and they i don't know it's just like it, it's not just like one or, or any of them that they have one thing and that they just keep bringing the one thing up and you're just like have we not advanced past this or this has nothing to do with the topic and the moment i'm giving slight eyes because i <laughs> totally get that but i also think his reasoning 
quite literally didn't make sense where he's like, we were told exactly what happened. And I thought that was funny. But when I saw the video that showed exactly what I was told had happened, I I was disturbed. And it's like, guy, you you knew that it was a child. You made light of the fact that it was a child. Why is seeing the child making this a huge issue when it should have been one from the start? I, I agree. No, no, no. His moment. What, more in a sense, I wasn't the best example, but more just like, I'm sure in five years, people are going to comment about this thing. That it's yes. like, that's going to be the one thing that's going to stick to Mauricio as the worst thing he's ever done. And that people will comment and continue. Like, you can't even talk about it. And you'll get messages of like, no, fuck Mauricio. He did this thing. That Not that it's like, we have there are people are wrong for still being upset about it now, but I see that as being the thing in the future that people will cling to. Totally. And guys, we have to open ourselves up because he's going to do so much worse stuff in the next couple <laughs> of years, as everyone will. And that is why we are watching. Listen, Danielle, tell the folks at home a little bit about your podcast, where they can follow you on social, any episodes you've got coming up. Yeah, so we are almost done with season two of Real Housewives of New York Rewatch. It's a rewatch podcast. Every week we uh, talk about the newest episodes. So we're almost done with season two. We're going to take a maybe a few week break and then we'll be back with season three, which I cannot wait for because we're going to see Sonia. Um, it's me. Best and, season um, of all time. Best yeah. season of all time. Comedian Sue Funk is my co-host and we just have a lot of fun. We're both from New York. So we try to infuse our New York ideas and thoughts as well. Um, and, you know, any relation of, New York housewives into like what, you know, when you go back and rewatch, you're like, oh my God, the foreshadowing of this moment and, and all of that. And then I'm also on social on Instagram and TikTok at Brands by Bravo. Amazing. And guys, Danielle was on a recent Patreon episode, as I said at the beginning of this episode, where we focused <laughs> a lot on the experience of rewatching and sort of a new understanding of classic New York housewives then versus now. It's an hour plus long episode. We talked about the reboot and a whole lot more. So look for that bonus episode on Patreon. It's there. It's delightful, I have to say. Um, So go to the Andy's Girls Patreon for exclusive bonus episodes like that one. I also did a 70 minute plus bonus episode uh, entirely about that Watch What Happens Live with Jeff Lewis, Andrew Cohen, and Bethany Frankel. And I have another one coming up in the next couple of days um, focused on all things Miami episodes one through five. So you can access those episodes and become a Patreon supporter. Number one way of supporting this sassy little social experiment at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Not so breaking news, but exciting nonetheless. Doing a live show with Ryan Bailey on Thursday, January 5th. Erev Jen Shaw sentencing, if you will, Danielle. Ooh, I love Ryan. <laughs> As do I. It's going to be an incredible live experience. Uh, you can get your tickets now. They're $12 at moment.co slash Andy's Girls. Again, that's Thursday, January 5th, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And of course, you can get on-demand tickets available. So if you can't attend... During the live show itself, guess what? 
you got a full week in which to watch with those live demand tickets. And of course, doing some meet and greets prior as well that you can sign up for at momentco.co slash Andy's Girls. And follow me on social at Dame Galley. Got a lot of sass and, you know, maybe I'll put some stuff up for Hanukkah. Did you get yourself a little Hanukkah? Did Hanukkah Harry bring you a little Prezi? Um, yes, my mom gave me a little Hanukkah like candle that says happy Hanukkah, like all wrapped around it. That's so sweet. Do you buy yourself? Do you do a little treat yourself for Hanukkah situation? Um, have I bought things for myself while also buying things for other people? Yes. Love that. <laughs> I actually just posted today about myself a white Lotus mug that I'm obsessed with. Oh my God. What does it say on it? It says white Lotus, like a uh, resort and hotel. And it's like the oh. logo. I'm obsessed with it. Um, Mick. Queen point of view. I think it's tagged to my Instagram today, but oh, if anyone cool. needs it, DM me. I will send it to you. He's the most amazing mugs. I bought a mug from him like two years ago and it says cup of Joe and it has a drawing of Joe Biden on it. And it's just, Stop I'm not it. even the biggest Joe Biden fan. I just was like, it's just funny. It's, it's just, just funny. funny. And I just, it, it's Joe Biden with the aviators on and it just makes me laugh. And so I got my wife, myself a white Lotus one. Cause I bought my sister-in-law a Leslie Jordan mug that says, well, oh, shit, and it has a, a drawing of Leslie. So I was like, oh, but there's a white lotus. Let me uh, add to cart as well. Great oh gift. Oh, my God, I love that. And I also love, guys, support your local Bravo shops and creators and creators outside of the Bravo universe. When you're buying gifts for friends and fam and, most importantly, yourself, um, <laughs> there are so many incredible creators um, out there whose work is amazing. I have a bunch of pieces here in the clawfish from where I am zooming. Um who I love to see and support. So make sure to shout out, slide into my DMs. If there is someone who you want to make sure gets a shout out and I'm happy to share it on social. And on that note, Danielle, happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Happy new year. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Yes. I don't know if I missed any dates. Of but you days. know what? Happy <laughs> holidays to all and to all a great episode. On that note, guys, we will chat with you soon. Shalom. <laughs>